Uh, Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. This is where we're going to be at this morning. Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 35. Starting in verse 15, follow along as I read. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, let them be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him, as many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children, and all that he had and a payment be made. But the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I I will repay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. His fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported it to their master, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all of that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, the master delivered him over to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would just draw near to us this morning. Um, God, your, your word is living and active and it is powerful. And I pray that you'd use it to speak to our hearts today, God. Um, just give us understanding and be here with us and help us to understand this hard passage on forgiveness. God, I pray that as we work through this text, you would shape our hearts and make us the kind of people who are lavish with grace and mercy as you have been towards us. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so in verses 15 through 20, uh, Jesus had just finished teaching his disciples how they are to forgive someone who sins against them or offends them, okay? Um, Now, many of us in this room, we've kind of come up with our own ways to deal with people's sin against us, right? Um, So sometimes we, uh, you know, we give them the silent treatment. We just say, you you treated me like that. I'm just not going to talk to you. Uh, Maybe that goes on for a few days, or um, I've heard of some instances where that happens for years, right? People just shut people out of their life because they've sinned against them. Sometimes when, we, when we're dealing with other people's sin, 
um, we try to get even with them, right? So you, you've done this to me, so I'm, I'm going to try to do something of equal meanness to you, and, and that'll kind of even it out or make things right. Or, or maybe we just continually bring up their sin again and again and again to remind them of how much they, they've sinned against us, okay? They, we have all sorts of different ways of, of handling offenses that have been committed against us, but here in verses 15 through 20, Jesus lays out a different model. Um, he gives his people a different approach. He, he gives them a four-step process that aims to forgive the brother and restore the brother to a right relationship among God's people. So uh, what Jesus says in these verses is really helpful, but quite honestly, it's super hard, right? Because when people sin against you, it hurts, right? Let, let, let's just be honest. When, when people sin against us, it is, it is painful. And if we do what Jesus is suggesting in this passage, uh, things are probably going to get a little bit messy and people's feelings are going to get hurt. And you could even open yourself up to more trouble. So that's what's on Peter's mind when he comes up to Jesus in verse 21 and he asks him this question. He says, how often do I have to forgive the person who keeps sinning against me? All right, so Jesus, just how long do I have to put up with this kind of treatment for my brother? Right, and so he's like, is two times enough, three times? He's, he's really trying to work through this. All right, how many times do I forgive? Is seven enough? Okay, Peter's not trying to be cute here. He's not trying to be funny. He's asking an honest question, and he thinks he's being really generous. Um, because as we've said, forgiving people is really, really hard. So he's like, surely if this, if this guy sins against me seven times, and I work through this really painful process, and I, and I forgive him, you know, surely seven times is enough. And then I can say, okay, I'm done with you. So Peter knows it's hard. And that's why he's saying, is seven times enough? So Jesus responds to Peter and he says, not seven times, Peter, 77 times. So in other words, Jesus is saying, you're going to have to forgive your sinful brother or sister a lot more than you're comfortable with, right? A, a lot more than you would like to be the number, whatever you think it is, it's, it's way bigger than that, Peter, okay? Not a little forgiveness, but a lot, okay? If you're going to follow after me and you are going to... Um, become like me, then you're going to have to be lavish with forgiveness, okay? You're going to have to dump it out on people who treat you poorly. And Jesus could have just stopped there. Not a, not a little forgiveness, but a lot. Don't be so stingy, Peter, right? Forgive people many times over. But Jesus really wants Peter to understand why he ought to be extremely generous with forgiveness. And Jesus wants all of his people, all of us, to understand we, why we ought to be people who are extremely generous with forgiveness. And so Jesus tells this really clever but simple story. A story about a king who decides to settle accounts with his servants. So you've got this king and he's looking over these, his finances and he discovers that one of his servants has racked up an insane amount of debt. Okay, I, I've looked at all sorts of different commentaries and people come up with all different numbers from billions to trillions to like, we can't calculate it. What, whatever the point is, this thing is a massive debt, right? Like this guy is so good at spending other people's money that he should run for Congress, right? Like this guy, he, he knows how to take money that's not his and, and spend it and not pay it back. And th this is the kind of guy that, that the king has, the servant that he has. And he's been unwise and borrowed and borrowed and borrowed, and now it's time to pay his debt. So the, the king calls him in before his throne, 
And he starts going over his debt line after line and charge after charge. And, and then they, they, they calculate it. And here's the total, 10,000 talents. And he says, hey, all that's due today. The guy says, I can't pay. And the king says, all right, well, I'm going to get my money somehow. I'm going to sell you and your family and everything that you own so I can recoup some of what you've, you've squandered. Right, And so the, the, the servant does the only thing he has left to do. He falls on his face and he pleads for mercy. He says, give me time. doesn't matter how much time he has. This, this debt's unpayable. And the king, in the, in the greatest act of mercy, shows it to him. Look at verse 27. And out of pity, some translations say compassion for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. Okay, that's, that's just one small verse. But what's happening here is bigger than we can grasp. This massive, unpayable, enslaving, life-ending debt is wiped away in an instant by this world's most generous master, right? Like all of it is gone. He, he doesn't say, okay, I'll give you a little bit more time and you can pay me. Okay, work for it. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to erase all that you owe from the record books. I'm going to wipe it out completely. I mean, this this is tremendous. This is amazing. This kind of stuff just doesn't happen every day, right? I mean, did any did any of you have debts wiped out over the holidays? Did did your like uh, did your mortgage company call you up and say, "Hey, I know you still owe two hundred thousand dollars on your house, but you know it's Christmas time and we're feeling generous, so don't worry about any more of those payments. We'll cover it, right? Just just put that on our tab." That happened to any of you guys? The student loans, right? Car payments. The dealership call call and say, "Hey, we know. Are you still enjoying that car you bought a month ago? Hey, we we know that you still owe forty five thousand on it, but guess what?" Don't worry about it. Drive it and enjoy it for free. Okay, that didn't happen to any of us. You know why that didn't happen to any of us? Because debts just don't disappear, right? Like, like it's impossible. There's, there's no such thing as, as a free thing, right? Debts can't just disappear. All, all of that debt has to go somewhere, right? It, it has, someone has to take the hit. Someone has to take the loss. And so here in our parable, Where does all this debt go? Well, this gracious, rich, and generous king absorbs it into himself. He takes on all of this guy's debt and counts it as his own personal loss so that the guy can go free. Like he's out those trillions or billions or whatever it is. He's out that money now and he will never see it again. He takes the loss. How would you expect the servant to respond? And like joyful enthusiasm, right? Uh, singing, dancing, leaping, leaping, leaping for joy, like insane gratefulness, right? You, you would expect him to like hightail at home and go tell his family about this new life they can now have because this crushing debt is not over them, okay? You, you would think that he ought to be the happiest guy in the whole kingdom, right? You would think that nothing could ruin his day. You would think, But as soon as he leaves that palace, he runs into another servant who owes him money. And he walks up to him and he goes straight for his throat. Like like that's his response to the king's generosity. Turns away from the king's generosity, walks up to this guy who owes him an insignificant little amount. And he catches him by the neck and he says, pay me everything you owe now. And the guy says, please give me time. I'll pay you back. And he can actually pay his debt back. He can make it right. 
And he says, no, you've had long enough. And he says, please just show me mercy. And he says, I have no mercy for you. And so in a chokehold, he drags him off to debtor's prison. He has him locked up until the debt's paid for. Isn't this a little jarring to us? Isn't it a little shocking? Um, It should be. It should catch our attention. And Jesus is is using this illustration on purpose to, to wake us up and say, wow, what's going on in this guy's heart is completely ugly. Right? It's completely disgusting what, what this man has just done. And Jesus, what he's doing is he's painting a real clear picture for Peter and for all of us of what is going on in our hearts when we come to the point where we are unwilling to forgive our brother or sister. Right? That, that, that's what Peter's question was. How long? How long? How many times? And Jesus is saying, here's what unforgiveness ultimately looks like, Peter. He's peeling back the curtain and showing us how completely ugly it is. That this guy who's been forgiven so insanely much refuses to overlook one small offense against him. So let's make this parable a little more personal. Uh, Let's ask some questions that, that relate directly to us and put us in the middle of the story. Question number one. If you are a believer here today, what have you been forgiven of? Well, if you're a believer, if you're joined to Jesus by saving faith, it is my pleasure to tell you that you've been forgiven of it all. Okay, All your debts, all your sin, every wrong and wretched offense you've ever committed against God, he has wiped it away. Isn't that awesome? That, that, that's true for you. That is your reality today if you are a believer. It's been forever removed, okay? Cast as far away as the east is from the west, gone. Now, this is a huge deal. We're talking fantastically big forgiveness. We're, we're talking about an amazing grace on a whole different level that, that's hard for us to even understand. All of it, all of it, all of it, gone forever. So think, think back to the parable. Okay, what, 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 what all have you been forgiven of? Imagine, imagine that, that God, the ultimate king, called you into his throne room to stand before him. And he's going to make you account for everything you've ever done in your life. All right? Like all, all your debt of sin, he's going to make you account for it. And so he, he begins to, line by line, line, sin by sin, item by item, he begins to show you how completely bankrupt you are. Show you your debt of sin. And so he, he has a servant run and they bring out this big book and poof, set it down. And right on the side, it says lust. Volume one of 6,875, right? He flips it over and he starts going, January 3rd, 1982. Looked at the secretary and this is what you thought. And you're like, oh man, right? This is just, and it's line by line. Wretched thing after wretched thing, dirty thought after dirty thought, okay? How long would that take? Well, how long have we lived? I mean, like, accounting for every broken thing, okay? And then, then he goes through that, and he, he grow, goes and he grabs another one, all right? He brings it, selfishness, pff, volume one of 10 billion, 300, you know? And he starts accounting for every selfish, self-serving thing that you've ever done in your life. And all of this is, is dead against him. The, the weight of that would be crushing, all right? And he could go to the back and grab a billion other books, right? To show us how completely broken we are. And then, and then for the king to say, 
you're forgiven. All of that. I'm not going to count. I'm not hold you accountable for any of that. I, I am going to wipe it away forever. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's, what, it's what Paul says in Romans 8.1. It's for him to say, there is therefore now no condemnation for all who are in Christ Jesus. All right, if that's true for you, if your sin's been wiped away, then you can agree with the psalmist in Psalms 103, starting in verse 10, when he says, he doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You can rejoice with the prophet Micah who says in Micah 7, 18 and 19, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression from the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us and he will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Okay, If you are a believer, you have a great and merciful king who has wiped away your sin forever. Like like that, that is the fact of the matter. That is your reality today. And let me ask you this. Where did it all go? As we said earlier, debts don't just appear, okay? Debts have to go somewhere. Someone has to cover the cost, okay? Where Where did all your lust pride, selfishness, greed, and about a billion other sins, where did all of those go? The Bible's happy to answer that question. Isaiah 53, 5 says this, but he, speaking of Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. By his stripes we are, or we are healed. First Peter 2.24 says, He himself, that's our Lord, that's Jesus, he bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him, that's Christ, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness for the trespasses according to the riches of of his grace. So my sin, your sin, our massive, big, unpayable, life-ending, crushing debt went to Christ on the cross where he paid for it all with his own life. Right? That's where it went. He he shed his blood. He died the death that we deserve so that we like that servant could walk away free from our burden of sin. That's what happened here. The, the generous king absorbed it all. Is that your reality today? If so, then you ought to be the most happiest people in the world, right? Happier than anyone else out there. Oh, the depths and the riches of God's grace. Now, considering all of this, take take all of that in account, okay? What all all you've done, all the, the, the brokenness of your debt of sin, okay? What it costs God to forgive it, And now I want you to ask this question. What sin is there that you are unwilling to forgive? Like keeping all that in mind, what sin is there that you are not willing to forgive? Now there are some big sins out there. I'm not saying there aren't. And I'm not saying that it's going to be easy to forgive people when they sin against you in terrible ways. It won't. 
But after you've set your eyes on the magnitude of your own sin, and after you saw what it cost God to forgive it, do you turn away from this great forgiveness and go straight to your neighbor who wronged you and say, I will never forgive you. You can never make this right. I have no grace for you. I refuse to let this go. I don't care if you say you're sorry. I will make you pay for this. You've wronged me and you've hurt me and I'm, I'm going to get justice for myself. Is that your response to the incredible, lavish grace of God? When we do that to one another, okay, when, when we do that to our spouse or our children, or our neighbors, or our friends, or our church members, okay? When we do that to, to, to one another, we have the same wicked heart as the man does in this passage. A heart that focuses on what we're owed rather than what we've been forgiven, right? That, that's the heart we have. A, a heart that minimizes our own offense and magnifies the wrongdoing of others. We, we have a heart that elevates our, ourselves to the position of judge, jury, and executioner and puts those who have sinned against us under our wrath and our power. That way, we're the ones in control and we can decide when they've suffered or paid enough for what they've done. That's the ugly heart that Jesus is trying to expose here. When we do that, we do the exact same thing as the man in this parable. The truth is, some of us drag others to debtor's prison quite often. Maybe it's just for a few hours or a few days or long enough to let them know, hey, I'm mad at you and you've offended me and I'm gonna make you pay for it. Some people, some people will leave people there for life, right? They'll give them a whole life sentence. Like what you did to me way back here was so wrong that I will never forgive you. I will never release you. You will pay until the day that you die just to make sure that justice is served. You might say, well, well what's the other option? I mean, what, what people do is really wrong, right? Like people can do some vile and dis disgusting things against you, can't they? They can sin against you in atrocious ways. And so what are you saying, that we, we just let things go? What am I supposed to do, just overlook all this sin and wrongdoing against me? Pretend like things never happen? Well, for some things, absolutely. You, you should learn how to overlook an offense, if there's small things that don't really matter, learn to be the kind of person who's slow to anger and who can overlook an offense, okay? If my son comes up to me and says, Dad, I know you told me to clean my room earlier, but instead I played video games for an hour and a half, right? I, I, I can actually not take my anger out on him and make sure he pays for that. I can say, you know what, son? You're right, that was wrong of you, and I will forgive you. Now, let's go downstairs and I'll help you clean your room and let's get it done. And next time, be the kind of kid who's quick to obey, right? Like, I, I can do that. I can release him instantly. All the kids are smiling, all right? I can release him instantly, okay? A husband tells his wife, honey, I'm so sorry about earlier. I, I spoke to you in a really harsh way and you didn't deserve to be treated like that. And, and she can actually say, you know what, I forgive you. She doesn't have to go, well, yeah, you did. Like she didn't have to make him pay. She didn't have to give him the silent treatment. She can actually release him from that with, without making him pay for anything that he's done. Here's something that might come as a surprise to you. You can actually forgive someone who sinned against you when they don't even realize they've sinned against you. You can actually just let it go. Like your boss at work comes to you and he gripes you out about a mistake that someone else made. You, you can actually just forgive him. 
and not throw the other person under the bus and, and let it go, okay? Listen, you don't have to make people pay for every wrong thing they've done. And if you do, you'll be miserable your whole life. You will. You will. You don't have to do that. For many small things in life, we can simply offer up forgiveness and grace and overlook an offense. This is what Proverbs 19.11 says. Good, sin makes one, or good sense makes one slow to anger, and it's a person's glory. It's their glory to overlook an offense. So when it comes to the small things in life, be slow to anger and learn to be the kind of people who are lavish with grace and mercy, who can overlook the small things in life, right? To, to be kind to people, to free them from debt and not make them pay for every wrong that they've done. But what about the big things? Some of the sins that have been committed against us are so hideous and so glaringly ugly that we can't overlook them. In fact, it, would, it is even wrong or, or sinful to overlook some things, right? Like they actually need to be dealt with. People have seriously hurt you, all right? And, 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 and something needs to happen. There should be some kind of justice. So I agree with that. Absolutely, there should. Absolutely, people should pay for their sins, but not at your hand. You, you do not have to be the one who's responsible for making sure that, that they have paid. Because when you are the one who's been badly wounded and seriously hurt, and when you're grieving and when you're angry, you're in no condition to decide what that person deserved for their sin. You, you forfeit the right to when your emotions are all twisted and mixed up, okay? You need someone outside of the situation that's not you to, to handle it, someone to come in with clear eyes, okay? That's why we have courtrooms and judges and juries and mediators is so people can come in who, who aren't invested in the situation, their feelings aren't tangled up, and they can look and see what's best for both parties to bring real, true justice, And you're not that person if you're the one who's been badly hurt. I'll tell you what, one of the, the biggest mistakes that I make in this area is quickly rushing to get justice, right? Like my, my kids sin against me, my, my wife sins against me, which rarely happens, okay? But anyways, like someone sins against me and I get all angry and frustrated and right then there, that moment, I'm gonna go make it right. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sin myself, right? I'm going to blow it. I'm going to respond too harshly. I'm not thinking clearly. Without seeking God in prayer, without seeking counsel from any other wise people, okay, without taking the time to get my emotions in order, I'm going to go handle it rightly. It's not possible. And so we, we, have, to, we have to come to someone who is a just judge who can handle this, this situation, someone who's going to deal with someone's sin in a right and righteous way. And that's not my responsibility in that moment. But I do have responsibilities. Here's what Romans 12, 18 says our responsibilities are. If it's possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. That's my first responsibility. Live at peace with everyone when it's possible. Verse 19, do not avenge yourselves, beloved. I don't have to get justice for myself. I don't have to be the one who settles it, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. 
Okay, so as, as believers who trust in, in God, we have to learn how to bring the sins of others to him and trust him to deal with it justly, right? We, we have to learn how to hand those over to God. And we can take comfort in this, okay? Nobody gets away with anything, right? Like sometimes, sometimes we think, man, that wicked person is living like this and they've done this terrible thing and this terrible thing and nothing's going wrong for them. It'll all work out in the end, okay? Like nobody, no sin, no offense gets overlooked. It's either dealt with on the cross of Christ where it is really paid for and God's justice against that thing is really satisfied or it gets paid for in hell for eternity, right? Okay, sin will be dealt with, okay? Trust me, God is perfectly just. He doesn't wink at sin or overlook it. It will be taken care of and we can trust him with that. When it comes to the serious, weighty, eternal matters of people's sin and what it deserves, we should give it over to God who knows how to make the perfect decision concerning them. And I'm not saying, by the way, um, that there's not a time to take real and serious action against sin. I, I, I don't want you guys to hear that. There is time to do something about the sins committed against us, but we need to do it. Um, we, we need to do the incredibly hard heart work of getting ourselves to a position where we actually want good for that person and not suffering, right? Like, like that's the heart that we have to come with, a heart that says, hey, I, I'm coming to address this sin, but I'm actually doing it for your good. I, I, it's, it's the same thing that he says in verses 15 through 20 there at the beginning. I'm doing this to restore a relationship. I'm doing this to, to bring you back into a right relationship with God. That's the way that we ought to handle um, s- grievous sins that are committed against us. So as we wrap up this morning, let's look one last time at the end of the parable and Jesus' final words to this wicked servant, starting in verse 32 and going through 35. Then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant. I forgave you all of that debt, all of it, because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers and until he should pay all of his debt. And hear this so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So here the the unforgiving servant, he's brought back into the throne room. Again, he's giving account to this righteous king. But notice a couple things are different. This gracious and loving king, and those are still qualities he possesses, by the way, but now he's filled with fury. And I want you to notice something. The king, was fi- the, the king was filled with anger. Sorry. The king was filled with anger, and he didn't throw the servant out because he failed to pay his debt, right? So the king was frustrated at first about the guy's debt, but he didn't give the guy over to the torturers because he failed to pay his massive debt. What ultimately provoked the king's wrath was not how the servant managed the king's money. It was how he failed to manage the king's mercy. So, so he, he, he says, I, I wiped out all that other. I was glad to wipe that away, but there's one thing I can't overlook. If I dump that much mercy and grace out into your life and you refuse to give it to anyone else, I won't overlook that. And so then he is taken away to the jailers. This king had dumped loads of mercy into this man's life 
and he expected him to share it with others. This truth is found all throughout the Bible. Colossians 3.12 says this, Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved and compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against one another, we forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven us. So also you must forgive. We see it in the Lord's Prayer at the very end, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive others of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. Ephesians 4, 32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Okay, The, the Bible is really clear that, that forgiveness and grace is the mark of every believer. If, if you are joined to, to Jesus Christ and God has dumped out lavishly forgiveness and grace into your life, he, he says you will, you will dump it out into the lives of others. So as we, as we end and I pray, I, I want you to ask God. Oftentimes when we read texts like this, God lays people on our hearts. He does. He'll say, man, here's someone you need to forgive. Here's, here's something that's twisted up in your own soul. And so I, I would invite you to deal with that. All right, scripture even talks about it being such a serious deal that if you're at the, if the, the altar offering sacrifices and thanksgiving to God and, and you see that you're at odds with your brother, you leave your offering and you leave the, the temple and you go, you go make it right. You, you don't delay. And so may, maybe you guys have had stuff going on for years. Maybe it's a fresh offense. Maybe it's one that's been 10 years ago. Whatever it is, don't delay. Man, God has been good to you. He has forgiven you of all your sins. He's wiped them out. He's dumped mercy into your life. So go forgive that brother or sister and brag on your king while you do it. Tell them about this king that's forgiven much and and that's why you are glad to forgive them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your great grace. Great grace, God. You, You have been so incredibly kind to us in Christ. You have absorbed our debt, God, our our massive, huge, big, crushing, enslaving debt. You took it all on the cross and paid for it so that we are free. And so as we walk away from this place, number one, let us walk away as the happiest of all people. Rejoicing, God, rejoicing in, in this God who's released our great debt. Let us be the kind of people who want to tell others about that freedom to tell them about this king who will forgive them as well, because that's his heart. And God, when, when others sin against us, because they will, just as we'll sin against others, when others sin against us, God, give us the, the compassion and the mercy of our Lord that won't try to make others pay for their wrongdoings or crush them, but will be glad to forgive them as we've been forgiven. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.